0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 199 of the Saturn Studs podcast. I'm Kurt, joined once again this week by my intrepid
1: co-hosts, Peter and Jake. Joining you this week for the Quiznos Bankruptcy Party Edition, otherwise known as Berries and cream as per Jake's request. Yeah. I I really wanted to start this this whole episode just yelling like those little fucking gremlins
2: in the commercial. <laughs> the sponge monkeys. The it sponge monkeys. The they got a pepper boy. <laughs> we are not the hans
1: <laughs> it's like this was this was that those so we're talking about a commercial. It came out in two thousand five for Quiznos subs. If you just look up Quizno subs, you'll fucking so you know, find it.
0: The show is already super topical.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> but like this was the same time that the weird PS three baby. Well, was this PS three well, baby, or was this the PSP Squirrel? Was at the same era. Um,
0: oh. Well, PS3 baby was around the same time because PS3 launched in 07, So I Sounds think that
2: right. what is yeah, the PS3 06, 3, 7. baby. Oh, you oh, haven't never seen 3 I may have right, seen it. I just forgot. It's it. a fucking
0: baby doll, not or like some uncanny valley CG baby oh, in yeah. a perfectly white room, reaching out to the PlayStation Three like it's have, the monolith in two thousand one.
1: Yeah,
2: I think you guys have showed me this.
1: And it starts like laughing and crying. It's like,
2: <laughs> and like there's yeah. It's, it's
0: it is often citing, cited as the most unsettling advertisement in the history of video games.
2: Yay, good job, Sony. <laughs> I have nightmares. It's,
0: it's a wonder the PS3
2: didn't sell very well in the beginning. <laughs> uh, need to get off
1: the feet a little bit. Uh, where are we today, Jake?
2: I don't fucking know, dude. We don't, We didn't watch a movie. Uh, we're right. coming at you live from someplace that rhymes uh, with... Cartesian grid? Uh, no, we're coming at you someplace uh, that rhymes with Flatlanta, Georgia. <laughs> That was the joke Atlanta. I gave to my friends when I was in Atlanta, Georgia. What? I don't fucking I... know. <laughs> okay. Uh, Although
1: it, it is weirdly relevant to what I've been what I've been up to recently, because I I like almost finished with a, a podcast I've been listening to. Yeah, it's called Freaknik. It's the history of Freaknik, which was the gigantic. Um, spring break party from 92 to 96 uh, around the, all the historically black colleges and universities in Georgia or in Atlanta specifically. I mean, it went on for longer than that, but like it was just for many, many years, it was like a gigantic spring break party where they would just flood the streets of Atlanta and like party in the streets, party in like all the clubs and junkyards, just like in the parks it was it was crazy, and it I learned bad. about it on that podcast. So, huh. Jake, thank you for linking to my my weird my relevant interests. Yeah,
2: dude, I knew it happened. I knew we'd find it, we'd find that connection but, somewhere.
1: <laughs> although this is not connected in any fashion to our topic for today.
2: No, not at all. No, uh,
0: not in the least. Unless uh, Hannibal invaded Georgia. Like the European Georgia, Georgia, and then we could play like six degrees of
1: separation no. to tie back to strategy. <laughs> 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 I could talk also about Georgia. I, I recently bought a bottle of Tarhoun. I need to drink more of that. It is lime green. It tastes like licorice for five seconds, and then it tastes like bubble gum, and it's a soft drink. Oh,
2: that's
1: it's from weird. Georgia. It is weird, Ge- but European I somehow Georgia. like it.
2: You don't? Know they serve a lot in the South? Because I go to the South a lot. Sweetie. Right. Cherry soda. Well, cherry that's, soda. That's their shit down there. Cherry soda and like like fried chicken.
0: Just like a soda that is cherry flavored or cherry flavoring in other sodas that are otherwise not cherry no, flavored? No,
2: just a cherry flavored soda. Interesting. What's the, so I what's the brand? I don't know if I'd like, like that. I tried it once. I was indifferent. <laughs> I really, it was like it was neither here nor there. It was like it was like cherry coke minus all the coke, <laughs> <laughs> carbonated cherry flavoring. And I'm like, all right, this is a uh, welcome to the south. Even though technically Maryland is the south, but I'm like, it's uh, the north south. Yeah, it's the north south.
0: There are parts of Maryland that are both the Mason Dixon line.
2: Yeah,
1: the- I think. <laughs> The south, the southern restaurant I really want
0: to go back to is Bojangles. Bojangles is good. You want to go to Scott Steiner
2: Shoney's franchise in Georgia somewhere? I,
1: somewhere I think Georgia. maybe Atlanta.
2: I had the chance that I was in Texas to go to uh, Whataburger um, Waterburger, <laughs> Your fat Whataburger face. Is that the new
1: Hungry Burger Watt combo? It's what? Whataburger
2: <laughs> Well, it's Whataburger That's a Yu Gi
1: Oh joke, kid. It's
2: It's what a burger, but they all. It's like haha. Wow, wow, what a burger this is.
0: We're familiar with water (laughs) burger.
2: What? Didn't we try to go there uh, when we went down to... No, that was with other people. <laughs> Shit. Yes, Jake. I'm getting my that senior was... design project confused with uh, Columbus cool We did not Ohio. get to go. All <laughs> oh, right, when you when south. you
1: faced off against two branches of the army and the navy and came in came in
0: third. <laughs> came in third. <laughs> commanding and one other third school out of five places.
1: Yeah,
2: <laughs> the school didn't. That one school had no idea what they were doing. They should have dropped. Did them. you guys really? Did you... We did because like, but they changed the rules like twice during the competition. Like before, like up up to it, and they were like, "Oh, we had to build a robot." <laughs> and I'm like you, oh, fucking idiots! <laughs> yeah, they just built like the inspection tool, and they're like, "We did it."
1: <laughs> oh, that's so sad. Yeah, it was rough. Those idiots, Those dumb idiots,
2: goddamn dumb idiots. They
1: weren't thinking strategically.
2: Where are they from? They're from Akron, Ohio, I think. Shout Akron. out to Akron, Ohio. You guys are idiots.
1: <laughs> Y'all really
0: dumb.
2: Get
1: good, guys. Come on. Our Akron number. Guys, our Akron numbers just went way down. <laughs> we gotcha. have. I is, actually, I
0: have analytics now. And uh, we have analysis. more listeners from Bangkok than we do Akron.
2: <laughs> Yes, <laughs> I'm glad I'm appealing to all the lady boys out there. Hello, lady boys, <laughs> and our Bangkok numbers just went really flaccid, <laughs> just like all the lady
0: boys. I've heard that one night in Bangkok, <laughs>
1: <laughs> and the rough
0: got rougher. <laughs>
1: What the fuck?
0: <laughs> You'll find a god in every golden <laughs> spotlight, and if you're lucky, that god's a she. <laughs>
1: um, our topic this week was strategy. That song games. is about
0: chess. <laughs> oh. Oh, okay. I mean, I mean, it's pretty obvious they talk about chess very explicitly. I gotcha. Um, uh, yeah, our topic. We're gonna have a discussion about. Strategy games, as we've been playing quite a few of them, there's been a lot of uh, Slay the Spire and For the King on the channel lately. Mm-hmm. Um So we didn't... There wasn't anything out that grabbed us, and like it just didn't feel right to just, like, fucking let's do a ninja operation now. We need to build up to that, yeah. you know? So we decided we wanted to... Do discussions, show some video games, some love on uh, on the show this week ahead of our 200th episode, which we will have more details on at the uh, end of the program. But uh, first, we begin with our usual Department of Watch, the segment where we watch the new trailers and give our very knee-jerk opinions on them to determine whether or not the movie is any good based on two to three minutes of <laughs> it.
1: Uh, Kurt, Kurt was the only one to find trailers this week. Unless Jake, you have something. I mean, I'm pretty sure I found the, the same ass.
0: trailers that he did. We have the same
1: source. <laughs> it is a slow week here. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't find anything noteworthy on on my source, other than like, I guess Superman Red Sun is coming out soon.
0: That oh, animated. I'm sure.
1: Yeah, oh, that's cool. Yeah, that'll, that'll be good. It's, uh, what is the it's clip Superman I saw was, Landed in Russia. Yeah, the clip I saw was. Oh, Lois and Lexer are a couple. Oh. It's like okay, I guess I don't it, care. Good for them. Well,
0: yeah, they dated before. Uh, I think it's implied that they dated at some point in the past. Um, mm-hmm. And and uh, Red Sun, Superman lands in Russia instead of Kansas, so he never would have been in Metropolis. To begin with, right. So does, presumably they would have stayed dating.
2: Does the uh, does the voice of Superman have a Russian accent, or does? He, I uh, have
1: not actually seen Superman in the Superman trailer.
0: What's the release date on that? Because we do have DC Universe, so we can watch it.
1: It uh, is going to come out on the day of March seventeenth. Actually, no, it's hitting digital platforms. Uh, in three days.
2: Oh shit! Okay.
0: okay, cool. So maybe I'll check that out yeah. this week.
2: I it's been a while since so I've seen like a good old fashioned Superman movie, like just Superman. But I like the uh, like the the what if kind of videos or movies.
0: Yeah, Redstone was pretty interesting. I like the the design of a lot of the characters in the,
1: Yeah. Uh, uh well, here we go. So uh, produced and directed by Sam Liu, Reign of the Superman. I don't know. Uh script by uh DeMatis DeMatis from Batman Bad Blood and the Constantine City of Demons movie. Uh co-produced Jim Krieg, which is Gotham by Gaslight. Amy McKenna, uh from The Death of Superman is producing, executive producers Sam Register, and of course Bruce Timm.
0: And what uh what role does Tommy Wiseau play in the production?
1: <laughs> <laughs> He's uh Oh Jimmy. Is Jimmy's yeah. the is this little buddy at the the Daily Planet.
2: Yeah. How oh, is that it Yeah. Is? That looks uh, awesome because like everybody's Russian, I guess, in this. Or at least Yeah. Uh Green Lantern oh. seemed to be like maybe the the US. Like, there's a Green Lantern core which should be kind of neat. And then um Batman I think is either Russian or Wearing Russian garb, like a Russia bat. Hat. Yes,
1: yeah. They... He's got a Ashanka. I remember. I do remember that. Like just from generally Red Sun media, it's like, oh, it's Batman, but he has an Ashanka. Yeah. I uh, love that for, um,
0: it is. You can probably read it if you're a DC Universe subscriber. Um, it's a three issue limited series from 'O three. Um. If you search Red Sun on uh D C Universe, it might come up. But um, so we have some other like actual trailers to talk about, including uh Jake, why don't you talk about this wonderful uh oh. thing to go oh. see with your mother? Oh yeah. This wonderful mommy daughter movie to see on Day. On Mother's, Mother's Day.
2: Day, and I can tell Kristen this, on Mother's Day, you should go see Run. It's a Beautiful relationship story Between a mother and a Daughter who is disabled And they go through all this strife of how A daughter feels how she's a Burden on her mom but then there's A weird horror twist to the entire story (laughs) She's (laughs) Like getting told By her pill bottle to run And there's like mental Delusions and at one Point uh, she probably Faces I think one of our Biggest fears and that's not having internet connection.
0: That is the the scariest part of this trailer.
2: They made a point <laughs> to be like no internet connection, and then she's like, "Oh, <laughs> <gasps> <How>? um, <laughs> <This> is it possible?"
0: <laughs> oh God, yeah, it's 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 silly. Um, well, it's apparently they're all
2: fucking awful with like the mother looking at a preemie baby and like the. Uh, like Cloto tank that is uh in every Clodo hospital, tank. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that what they have in Star Wars where they put you in that liquid? The back uh, to tank. Bacta tank. tank. Wait, what, what is Cloto tank? What am I thinking? About? What is Cloto tank, know. Jake? I, well, that's back to tank, I guess.
0: Cloto is the um precursor to Bacta in the old republic. Oh, is it? Before they discovered Bacta. It's what they farm on Manan.
2: That's that's why that's why. That's why I said that.
0: <laughs> that is the nerdiest I've ever sounded
2: on this show. <laughs> I figured that's where it was because I, I didn't know they changed it at one point. I didn't know there was an industry standard change to Bacta chemicals.
0: Well, you know, DuPont came in <laughs> and they developed Bacta and better living for chemistry.
2: <laughs> and now on some planet there's just Hundreds of gallons of, uh, hundreds of thousands of millions of gallons of uh Clodo that's just not being He's, used because non the- went bankrupt. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to see. Now all that's those, a movie I'll
0: pay to see. <laughs> those fish people don't give George Lucas any ideas. We got C span in space and uh, the prequels. If he did sequels, we might get like fucking CNBC in
1: space. <laughs> I want to no, see. We were go- we were going to get fucking Star Wars detours. That was what he planned before he gave that shit up.
0: I want to see the ready. economic strife of the Republic. <laughs> Wait, wasn't it going to be a fantastic ver- voyage, like Body Wars style? Oh
1: Yeah, he was going to do a fucking voyage into the body. Yeah. That was one of them. He was also going to do a um, one of his, like a, as a TV show, instead of The Mandalorian, we could have gotten, which may have been somehow good. Is the um another TV show, like a live action TV show, about um Coruscant as the Empire is taking over, and it would have been like a gritty crime drama?
2: I like that. Interesting. Yeah. Like oh, yeah, the, we, the CD yeah. underworld yeah, of yeah, uh we were
1: about that, Yeah, you saw that screen test.
2: That's what the sequel to Han Solo is gonna be like. I'm feeling like a star, you can't stop my mm. shine. I'm Han, so can... <laughs> I'm Han Solo. I'm Han Solo. I'm Han Solo. <laughs> That's
1: all I can think about when I think about On Solo now.
0: Uh, all three issues of Superman Red Son are available for reading on DC Universe. Fantastic.
2: Awesome. Go check it out. Um,
0: yeah. All righty. So Sarah Paulson, who uh, Peter and I couldn't place, but we have since uh, discovered, was the uh, psychologist or uh, assassin, as it turns out, <laughs> in Glass. <laughs> oh, and okay, yeah. Um, she's been in other stuff, like 12 Years a Slave, and, um, apparently she was in Abominable, in Abominable and, uh, American Horror Story, which I think...
2: Alright, so she's got a pretty good track record. A lot of
0: people have been in... Yeah, I mean, this is, uh... She's definitely got that face that can be <laughs> kind of creepy looking.
2: Bitch, you got that face. <laughs> Scares children. Let's have you be a mom. Yeah,
0: Yeah, Um, speaking of moms, a woman who is not fulfilled in her life, possibly because she wanted children, but doesn't have any, uh, decides to embezzle money from her small Scottish town to buy a racehorse (laughs) because she needs a hobby. Uh, This is the trailer for Dream Horse.
2: (laughs) It's very inspirational.
1: Dream horse meet real horse. This is the uh, the nightmare, nightmare on Elm Street, dream horse, <laughs> where Freddy is a horse. Sharp
0: hand, Joe. Um,
1: yeah, Tony Collette. Oh. oh, sorry. Keep going. I just uh, i i was struck by inspiration and I forgot there was one trailer that we should have <laughs> we sh- we need to talk about. We'll talk about right it at the end. <laughs> 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 Fucking Jimmy Neutron over here, <laughs> brain blast.
0: Um. Tony Collette plays, a, actually, I guess from the summary here, they're Welsh. Um, but she plays a Welsh woman who works in a grocery store and, uh, you know, is bored with her life, doesn't have anything. Look, a very economically depressed community from the looks of things. And then uh, there's a guy in town at the bar who she overhears talking about how he used to own a racehorse, and she's like, there's an idea. And then they uh, come up with a scheme where everyone puts in $10 a week for two years to buy a racehorse. And then they call it Dream Alliance because it's their dream and they're all in it together. And then it nice. uh, it races and I'm guaranteeing at the end of the movie it breaks its legs, gets shot, and turned into glue. <laughs> ah.
2: Uh, I, I really hope that is the ending.
0: <laughs> There's oh. no way that horse lives through this movie.
2: Yeah, that or it's loses. Hot. It loses first race, and they're all like downtrodden on it. And they're like, oh, this is sad. Our, our horse lost. And, and then they train it, and they have a, a rocky montage of having it run, and I guess. I don't know how, how to train a horse. It, it's uh,
1: no, it like it wins a middling amount of you know it. It's pretty good. It's not great, but that means they can make hundreds of thousands of dollars on it for being a middle like a second rate stud. Yeah, not like I mean, a top stud, but still a really good stud. And they just they just be horse farmers.
0: It's a fluffer stud for
2: <laughs> horse horse milkers. Horse milkers. Have you ever had horse milk?
1: Have you, Jake?
2: No. No, why would anybody have horse milk? That's crazy. It's probably got know. proteins. Probably why would anyone have
0: meat? cow milk? We're not baby cows. No, we're not. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so I would never have uh, horse's milk. Horse pop. That's why I milk Kristen. Gross. <laughs> that's Vitamin really D. not
0: something you... That's going to be on the show forever. You know not
2: to <laughs> pasteurize it. She's clean. <laughs>
0: I y- Jake. Jake So Jake <laughs> what you're telling me is that your girlfriend has a child? I hope not. Well, you realize that the women just don't make milk for the
2: sake of making Uh-oh. milk, right? Well, <laughs> then we might have an issue. <laughs> Jake is a secret dad. Is that what Jake, that crying I need, was? I
0: need to know that you knew that. Uh, of course. <laughs>
1: Have you had the sudden urge to wear wear sketchers <laughs> and crack open a cold one? No, no New so balance new two balance. and a half men after
2: work? Yeah, it's it's new balance, Pete. It's new balance and high white socks. <laughs> <laughs> Up to the middle of your calf like I used to wear in elementary school.
0: <laughs> and um uh, Wrangler jeans. <laughs> How how's your mower? Do you have to fuss with your mower every weekend? Usually, to get it to start.
2: But once you pop the choke on it and uh, put some fresh oil in it, you're good to go.
1: Sounds like some dates I've had.
0: Well, we know what kind of parties Peter goes to.
1: Pete with the grand slam, boom! Oh, speaking of dads, um, Jesse Eisenberg. Motherfucking
0: Jesse Eisenberg.
1: (laughs) What if living in a suburban home was a fucking nightmare? Well, in this piece of nonfiction, we have a second trailer for Vivarium.
0: This is the international trailer for Vivarium, a documentary about the lengths millennials will go to for homeownership. (laughs) (laughs) True. Um, Yeah, we talked about it before it's the creepy suburban neighborhood where they raise the demon baby that's going to turn into the real estate agent that sold them the house and then he's going to trap another couple in and that's going to be the end of the movie uh so yeah (laughs) not much new footage in this international trailer here um still not sure how to pronounce his co-star's name we're we're still operating on the assumption it's a Mogan Poots yep and uh
1: yeah. I'll say that until i have proven otherwise.
0: <laughs> it's like what we called uh, Dr. Geisha Gish, and he never corrected us. And everyone else said it Geisha, and it's, we never once thought maybe we're the ones who were wrong.
2: <laughs> that son of a bitch called me Jacolo, so I don't care. <laughs> <He> <laughs> called you Jacolo? Yeah, did you ever hear about that? No. no. He was passing b- back like uh, tests or homework or some of like that.
0: Definitely calling you Jacolo now. Yeah, oh no, a lot
2: of people <laughs> called me. I think it was. Um, my my ex uh, my ex called me jacolo for the longest time because she thought it was hilarious um, because i guess i wrote my b sloppy at the end of my name <laughs> so if you can imagine writing a lowercase b with like right. maybe the, uh, the
1: not uh, connected the yeah. bulb in the and the, yeah. uh, the tall part the
2: tree trunk yeah i don't know the line <laughs> yeah Whatever no. The circle and the line, let's call them. <laughs> well, it's not a monkey tail, so <laughs> I'm trying to think of how I was taught how to write a B back in kindergarten uh, Yeah, so I guess I didn't oh, connect shit. that Or it looked like there were two separate letters So he was like, uh, uh, Jacolo? Mm. Is there a Jacolo here? I'm
1: like, I could I could see you raising your hand and then he just smiles. He's like, Oh I think okay. he said the
2: last name and then I'm like, uh me? <laughs> He's like, Yeah.
0: What class was
2: this? Oh, I don't remember.
0: What class did you have with him that we weren't also in? I mean, granted, me not remembering it is plausible because I went to class so seldom, but Peter was always in class.
1: <laughs> yes. Cause we had chemical processing, that was it. I Remember with you and him,
0: um, we had thermo two, like chemical processing and thermo two. I think we're the only ones,
2: yeah. Thermo two, I had with them. What else did I have with them? Oh, this is not bother me till the end of the day. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I'm glad
1: this is the part of this podcast that's gonna be (laughs) bothering you so far.
0: I think engineering statistics is the only, oh well. Doesn't no. he also teach one upper level ceramics he course? Did,
2: he did teach an upper level ceramics course. I'm gonna have to i to have to go through the archive of All right. Continue. I'm gonna <laughs> Well well Jake
0: follows up on this story. We will follow up on the box office performance of some of these movies that we've talked about in Trey Watch in a segment we call the follow up. Um,
1: we we didn't talk about the trailer that I had a brain blast about.
0: Oh, Iron Mask?
1: Yeah, we didn't talk about this last week, right?
0: No, I see IGN in the corner. I don't believe it's a real movie.
1: <laughs> you mean what? You don't believe the the movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jackie Chan on a, C, a Chinese CGI adventure to China from England to to grab the dragon? Like, watch this. Just you need to watch the trailer. I did real, watch the trailer. A real movie.
0: I, there, there's no fucking way.
1: <laughs> it's got that like. It has all the hallmarks of, like, Chinese production.
0: From the producers of Kill Bill, that can't be right.
2: Yeah, but why is Jackie Chan and Arnold Schwarzenegger in this?
1: Because they haven't been in a movie together. True. They haven't even been in Expendables together.
0: <laughs> Expendables 4, The Iron Mask.
2: This is a prequel to Expendables, actually. <laughs> yeah.
0: Arnold Schwarzenegger is, like, 70 years old.
1: <sighs> yeah. From the, like I, the co- Look at the costume design on these guys Like the one guy with the random Like hair rolls that are a different color Than his hair This carriage has a giant ass Back wheel for some reason For stability it's, you
2: know Yeah the
0: back wheel. duh <laughs> Y'all riding right 20s y'all some Oompa Loompas
1: <laughs> uh, You know my favorite part of the Iron Mask Was where the ancient Chinese witch uh, Uses the, the Super mirror to summon the ancient dragon
0: yeah. Arnold, Arnold yeah. Schwarzenegger is legitimately 72 years old. That's crazy.
2: Can we get confirmation on if this is a real movie or not?
0: I'll I'll see what
2: I
1: can find. Because
2: I'm going to wash the shit out of this. Oh my god, his wig came off.
1: His wig? Wig snatched.
2: Jackie Chan just popped off Arnold Schwarzenegger's weave. So there's a, oh my god. a
0: movie That are from 1998 called The Man in the Iron Mask.
1: Right. With Leo DiCaprio, right?
0: Uh, It appears to be him. Um, Yes. That movie was poorly received. It's a little more
1: historically accurate to the French uh, revolutionary tale. Um, Because this this was originally, this was a story from like the French Revolution times, if I'm correct.
0: So, okay. Okay. Yes, it is a real movie. Um, it does not have a U.S. theatrical release date, but it arrives in the United Kingdom and on digital on
1: 4-20. Amazing.
0: Hitler's birthday.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> uh, Chad, those, is that you?
0: <laughs>
1: this is as good a fucking time as any, just to... Um, so this was, yeah, so I'll, I'll give you a little historical, uh, backup here uh-huh. to compensate for the silliness that was this fucking trailer that's full of goofy CGI and like an ancient Chinese dragon plot. Um, so the man in the iron mask, he was just a guy who was held up in the 16, like 1670 for like, you know, he, he just got like a 25 to life sentence. And he just died during the reign of Louis the Fourteenth, and he had an iron mask. Wow. He never, no one ever saw his face. Wow. Um, and then Alexander Dumas, Dumas, I, I think it's I, I Dumas. I don't know how you say that one. Dumas. He wrote so he wrote a bunch of fucking books about him. He's like, I'm gonna make a bunch of cool adventure stories about him, and that was in the 1840s. And because it was a work of fiction that happened in the 1840s, it just, it just like it's like fucking cocaine up the nose it was just a straight shot to the the you know the cultural uh history of Europe and America cuz if you took a shit in the in the middle of the industrial revolution they're like oh lumpy shit that's exactly the way everything should be forever like i swear to god like you look at anything that any like you know old work any like classic work and it's like oh it's just something someone did in the 1800s because that was when like you know news like big newspapers could pop out and like you know everyone could have wider access to to information you could just print a shit ton of books and stuff so
0: oh i mean the printing press was invented in the 1600s
1: <laughs> yes but uh it's it's very interesting if you look at how much of the in the romantic period if you look at how much fucking media is like Considered it just instant classics. How much of it it comes from that period of time? Well, yeah, that's uh, my that's my eighteen hundreds rant. Thank you for listening.
0: All right. Well, <laughs> after that detour, we are back to the follow up. Um, looking at the top box office performers for the extended President's Day weekend. In first place, we have. Sonic the Hedgehog bringing in a fairly impressive $70 million on the three-day weekend. Um, So far, it has made $137 million worldwide off of its $85 million budget. So that's a nice little profit right there. Um, It is doing, we gave it a positive review, but let's see what other fake media outlets have given it. Uh, it's got a 63% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 6.9 out of 10 on IMDb. Puzzlingly, a 47% on Metacritic, which means fewer people liked or liked it than didn't like it, which seems wrong to me. Perhaps they watched the version with the uh, unfixed CGI.
1: Perhaps. Maybe they watched Cats instead. They thought it was a Sonic movie. <laughs>
0: Someone just messed up the film. Oh, I see what it was. Okay. So there's like one person who gave it a zero, and that brought the average down.
2: Oh, boo.
1: What did this man have to say? This man or woman?
0: Consequence of Sound Scout typhoia. This wasn't a movie. It was a boardroom meeting with some poor hapless dreamers strapped to the directed by credit like Keel hauled sailor like a keel hauled sailor punished for idealism. Did he watch this movie? No, yeah, okay. I clicked on the link. It is indeed a Sonic the Hedgehog review.
2: <laughs> okay.
0: Ooh, I guess the Irish Times did not slop. give it a good movie. A good review either. Dull, bland, and pointless. I don't know how you could call it dull. Sonic the Hedgehog, Roger Eber.com, not him, but Simon Abrams. Sonic the Hedgehog is the worst kind of bad movie. It's too inoffensive to be hated and too wretched to be enjoyable. Man, these people need to <laughs> fucking get laid.
1: These <laughs> Wretched. I yeah. Interesting takes. I'll leave it at that. User score
0: uh, of 8.5. So audiences liked it.
1: Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't call it a shining paragon of cinema.
0: No, like I said, it was not. Wretched. Is it? Is it the greatest movie I've ever seen? No, but it's not bad, and that's probably the best you could ask for for yeah. a movie about Sonic the Hedgehog, a guy who runs fast. Uh, Harley Quinn Birds of Prey. I refuse to say it's old title because it is too many words. Uh, yeah, true. Was in second with a 19.7 million dollar take, uh, good for bringing its worldwide total up to 155. So interestingly, Sonic the Hedgehog, in one week, made almost <laughs> as much as Birds of Prey did in two.
2: Uh-huh. Oof!
1: Good job, boy. Get uh, them rings.
0: Although it's still listed as having opened on this weekend, which we, I know is not true, maybe it's because they they, change, they, they changed re-titled. the title.
1: <laughs> yeah, that would be nice. That's a nice hack. Just like I just want to I want to re premiere my movie.
0: <laughs> well, 19 mil is a pretty poor opening weekend. <laughs> <laughs> um, Fantasy Island, which I think has to be our spotlight picture because. Who asked for the horror remake of Fantasy Island?
2: Nobody. Nobody does. Uh
0: that opened in third with thirteen million dollars. Um 24 million worldwide so far. Only a seven million dollar budget. How the fuck do they do it? Um okay, so Fantasy Island. Hoof, okay. Big oof. 4.7 out of 10 on IMDb. Uh, It got a 10 10 at one media outlet. Unfortunately, it's a 10% on Rotten Tomatoes. (laughs) Holy shit. 20% on Metacritic. All right, this should be fun. Um, We're doing a little more structure to our review reading. I will be the guy who reads the featured and positive reviews. Jake... As always, we'll get the one-star reviews and Peter I think being the voice of reason will read the middling reviews All right Um,
1: For for Fantasy Island,
0: so the featured review the this is what IMDb thinks is the most helpful review Um, It is how many stars is that that's five? Fantasy what in three question marks? A very confusing movie starts off well, and as the movie rolls on, all the fantasies start to intertwine and confuse the daylights out of the audience. My fantasy was the movie for the movie to end sooner. That's a five-star review. Jesus this guy's generous. All right. You go, you do, let's say, Jake, you do... We'll each do three. You do one, I'll do one, Peter will do one, and
2: then alternate. I'll I'll do one. All right, I'll do it. You're the one star. (laughs) No, it's got a very simple title. I like it. No, 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 (laughs) no.
0: Is that also the body of the review?
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, I wish. Uh, Bad movie. Bad, bad, bad movie. Go to your room forever. I don't know where to start. The convoluted attempt at anything close to a plot. The juvenile writing. The bad acting all around. The movie should not have been called Fantasy Island. It should have been called Clue because no one involved had one. Ah! This guy is on fire. I like it. However, I do credit it a first in life. As in the first time we in the audience had a conversation with the show of hands, just how bad an experience this was. It was like Lifetime and the CW had a baby. A horribly disfigured baby. Please spare yourself. Don't watch it. It's too late for me. But if I spare just one of you, maybe my sacrifice is worth it. Dang, dude. This guy did not like this movie.
0: <laughs> um, okay. I got one. What I can tell you. Ghost emoji. I can recommend typing in Portia Doubleday into Google Images. She looks great. That actress was in this movie. I can remember her from the portion I know about. (laughs) I was screen chatting my longtime buddy Jessica Salzone. She was wearing the golden earrings. She started talking about Fantasy Island in depth, something I didn't want. But that's okay, because I was staring at her wrist. Basically, from what I can remember, a T-Rex leaves a jail cell and finds himself fully illuminated by the sun in a Denny's parking lot. I don't know what this guy was talking about. Yeah, what? But that is a 10-star review that 13 out of 50 people found helpful.
2: Uh, I don't know about you, but I did. I sure did.
0: I think I mean I know everything I need to know about Fantasy Island from this review.
1: <laughs> I know I feel I feel sad that like the five star reviews are all they're all like mindful and like measured.
0: Well, that's why we give them to you. <laughs>
1: Hooray! I'll I'll read one silly one and then I gotta read like probably an actual one because that's I can only find a silly one. So from here to stay nine nineteen eight four nine fantasy what question mark question mark question mark i think that's the one i just a read. very confusing movie starts <laughs> off well and as the movie rolls on all the fantasies start to intertwine and confuse the daylights out of the audience my fantasy was for the movie to end sooner he did it too he, he did the uh that joke too
0: was it the same but was that not the same review that i read
1: was that the same review i no, geez, think it was, was a five out. that was a five out of ten
0: yeah Oh <laughs> well, no i think that's the one i read at the beginning
1: Oh, okay. Well, then I'll read an actual one. Uh, R.G. RG Kareem, Fantasy Island, 5 out of 10. Is this fantasy worth the price? Likes. all In all caps, no punctuation. Good pace, nods to references, the satisfying visual appeal, funny at times, better character development than inspected. Some twist, Michael Pena. Dislikes. Most characters still shallow. Plot twist is okay. How random the island's gimmicks are. The sudden change of plot. How forced the comedy is at times. The rushed ending not scary. The verdict. And then this one's in like actual proper grammar and punctuation here. Um, Is this movie as bad as the 22 on Metacritic? I don't really think so. The Fantasy Island falls into the trend of making a superficial movie that hauls all the gleam to attract you with little sustenance to keep you nourished. It's a great opening horror movie for the younger generation to wet their feet, as it attempts to get some relatable issues on the table, add a small amount of character depth, and still give the thrill of the chase. Yet where the movie falters in its ability to really tie this adventure together, managing to put a twist into the film, but not in the artful form to pull everything together. Even worse, the movie's rushed ending and lack of scares just makes this an MTV television series with a more bloated budget. While the performances do their best to handle the characters, there is not enough meat to this island's presentation to say it's the best horror movie. But there are enough special effects gimmicks that can make a night out with friends worth the theater visit. Otherwise, hit this one up later down on the road when it hits streaming. My scores are, for adventure comedy horror, a 5.5. And for a movie overall, 5.0. Okay. Yep, All right. like I said, Jake, tell, <laughs> five out of
0: ten. Tell us why he's wrong.
2: <laughs> because this is one out of ten worst movie seen in years by Ephraim underscore Easy. After a few dialogues, the only thing you'll want is to run away from the theater. There's nothing to save from this movie except maybe Maggie Q. Don't know how I say it until the end. It was torture.
0: Yep. Well, let me tell you why you're wrong. Cause oh. this movie is a 10 out of 10. It's very entertaining. If you're not a boomer, that is. <laughs> I love the movie. Pure entertainment with comedy and horror combined. The movie is a breath of fresh air. Scenery is breathtaking. I would imagine oldies, a.k.a. boomers, won't like it since they watched some very old boomer series back in the day, which was the inspiration behind this movie. Lucy Hale was great in it The movie is jam-packed with plot twists You would never be bored Must see movie this month right, Ah, close this out, Peter
1: (laughs) Uh, And from Psycho (laughs) 7 out of 10 Jokes and tropes, I like them Not as bad as some reviews say I can see where a mainstream general public viewer might not like it, but if you grew up with the first series and enjoyed the second one and have a taste for making things a bit more macabre, then I think it's enjoyable. I mean, of course it was corny and had some bad jokes and tropes. So did the source material. I liked the intertwining that they did. Thought it added a lot. It's Blumhouse, for God's sakes. What did people expect? (laughs) Blumhouse isn't going for Oscars. They're just here to entertain us, and I was entertained all in all it was a fun way to spend a couple hours on a day off from work i will say i used a gift card that i'd won for my admission and i had a free popcorn on my regal card so i only paid a couple bucks for my soda i think if i paid full price though i'd still be okay with it if you're iffy just wait for a rental
2: (laughs) that is the greatest review
0: that has ever been run on this program (laughs)
2: <laughs> Just the, the matter of fact of like yeah, you know it was a free movie and like ah discount and everything so it's pretty good. I like how I like how
0: he felt the need to disclose that in his review. <laughs> he has more journalistic <laughs> yeah, he discloses the sponsors. He has more journalistic integrity than 90% of the fucking the media <laughs> that's really funny All right well,
2: I'll tell you why they're wrong because this is. Well, I won't read this one because this one is a fucking (laughs) essay, dude. Guy wants you to follow his blog. Uh, (laughs) Forgettable bad movie, terrible acting, uninteresting characters. What a waste of time. It's a dumb concept for a movie. No one gives a damn about the characters. A total dumb, dumb movie with nothing interesting. Bad directing, unforgivable bad performances. Actors were awful in this movie. Don't waste your money. So I guess if you want, if you don't have to waste your money, go see it. There's not even horror in this film. The storyline is boring and all messed up. The movie doesn't. What? Wait, this movie doesn't worth your time. Ah, grammar.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> that movie doesn't worth your time, guys. Don't go see it. <laughs>
0: you know what? It just doesn't worth my time.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's that. It, if it doesn't worth your time, then why even bother? Oh. What are you
0: even doing? Yeah. You know?
2: What even doing? Come on, guys.
0: All right. And uh, Disney 11024 said that this was 10 out of 10, one of the best in years. We're going to make this a short review. I was curious when I walked into this movie after seeing all the bad reviews it's been getting. So I sat down at my local AMC in Burbank, and by the end of the movie, I was surprised how much I loved it. This movie is not for everyone, and I can see why it's getting hate. But I feel like moviegoers these days can't enjoy a good little horror film. It's a monkey paw story. Don't take it too serious. Go see this movie and have a good time. You won't be disappointed. I want to throw in one last one uh, here because... Just the fucking headline alone cracked me up. Ten out of ten. Better version of True for Dare. If you enjoyed True For Dare, you may enjoy this too. A great Valentine's Day movie with lots of laughs, but it <laughs> oh fails at the end. The ending should have been better, nine point five out of ten.
1: <laughs> Fantastic. All right, close that. <laughs> one more from uh Chatty Wacker, eight five three nine eight. <coughs> Fantasy Island six out of ten should have been on a streaming platform. It would be awesome on Netflix. I would binge watch a ten episode season. Huh. All right. One out of two found this helpful. That's Are you the an one?
2: Concept. I wonder how many movies would have been better as like a series on like um, Netflix.
0: Every movie that tried to do too much in it. So like, yeah, Zack Snyder's Watchmen. <laughs>
2: Oh, my God. If Suicide Squad came out on Netflix, I think it might actually be good.
0: I wouldn't have had to watch it. <laughs> um, all right. Back in the um, box office scoreboard here. We have The Photograph in fourth, opening with $13.2 million, a series of interwinding love stories in the past and present. $16 million budget, so it has yet to make its money back. How does that make sense? Oh, that's a lot of money for. That.
1: Well, it opened. It opened this week, so yeah, they
0: need to take some lessons time. from Blumhouse and uh, making movies for cheap.
1: <laughs> yeah, I want to binge watch a ten episode season.
0: <laughs> Bad Boys for Life in fifth, uh, nineteen seventeen in sixth. Jumanji: The Next Level in sixth. Excuse me. Parasite in eighth. Doolittle in ninth. And downhill opening in tenth. Oh, that's a Fox searchlight. I didn't realize that.
2: Oh yeah, I think I was gonna mention this um, last week or something like that. But um, Sonic was like the first one I saw, which had like the searchlight pictures logo. Because you know they they got all oh, right. Fox. Yeah, they
0: they. But wasn't Sonic Paramount?
2: Was it Paramount? What was yeah. it? what yeah. Was it that I saw? Because the that... rings came on the fucking mountain. Oh yeah. What was it that I saw that had searchlight on it? Maybe it was like a trailer for it. Maybe. Trailer before.
0: Maybe it was the trailer for downhill. Um, that's the Jim Carrey, Julia Louis, or not Jim Carrey, uh, Will Ferrell, Julia Louis Dreyfus, um, skiing comedy. Uh, yeah. five yeah. open with five point one million. Uh, let's see. Is Doolittle? Doolittle has officially crossed over in profitability. Oh
2: God!
0: A hundred eighty-four million dollars oh. worldwide. That is wow, that's a uh, that is a staggering. Let's see, nine million dollars in profit. <laughs> I'm sure after advertising, it's still underwater. But
2: let's see, how low do I have to go to
0: find cats? Where's I, cats? Is out of feeders. Is cats out. Yeah.
1: Yeah, they left
2: a while ago. We Damn actually
0: it. Peter put an put an article that we were supposed to pay lip service to last week on the show, yeah. but I forgot. Um, I'll
2: pay lip hands. service to you.
0: Don't fret me with a good time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, so that was the follow-up. Let's talk some gaming news, shall we? So, Red Dead Redemption 2 has a hot coffee mod, and Take-Two is not happy about this. So, for those of you under the age of, like, 24... Um,
1: Hot Coffee mod.
0: Hot Coffee fucking... was a mini-game, a hidden mini-game in GTA San Andreas in which CJ would go to his girlfriend's house for coffee, except it wasn't coffee, it was sex. And uh, oh.
1: <laughs> you have terrible PlayStation sex. It was
0: it was very rudimentary uh simulated sex and uh like clothes were still on. That's how like Fucking not polished this was but the fact that it existed in the game it wasn't even really accessible without like a cheat device but the fact that the code for it existed in the game San Andreas was slapped with a uh, adults only rating and had to be pulled from store shelves until Rockstar could fix it um and uh that was like a huge thing in 2005 um but uh, now it seems kind of silly and a modder has wanted to continue the spirit of hot coffee uh, by making a mod for Red Dead Redemption 2. That's along the same lines. Uh, the thing like still fully clothed and all that sort of thing. Um, but take two is not happy with it. Um, it. The mod doesn't contain any nudity or nude models. It only uses assets that are still in the game. Uh, The animations are from the drunk bar mission, and uh, the moaning noises are simply sounds the character models make when they get injured. Um, But regardless of all this, Take-Two wants the mod taken down um, and have issued a uh, DMAC to it, or whatever the copyright... Damn. Things, uh, it for now it still remains available, although you'll have to at least pretend to be of legal age if you want to look at it. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's yeah, it's have a to silly click, thing. Yes, I'm over 18. This is a, a, a definitely a non-troversy if ever there was one.
2: Yeah,
0: uh, Valve says that the index, which we took to look at the pricing of on last week's show, or maybe it was two weeks ago. Uh, Your Valve Index Kit, which can be yours for the low, low price of $999, except it can't right now because the coronavirus is resulting in far fewer units shipping out at the moment. Uh, Yep, makes sense. They are working hard to get um, the uh, stock up in time for uh, Half-Life Alex's release, which will be coming March 23rd. Uh, They are, again... A spokesperson from Valve said that they are hard at work meeting to meet the demand of the Valve Index and reassure, and they want to reassure everyone that Index Systems will be available to purchase prior to the game's launch. Um, The coronavirus is not the only, uh, well, I mean, I should say the Valve Index is not the only uh, effect on the gaming industry the coronavirus is having as both Sony and Facebook have pulled out of the Game Developer Conference set to take place in San Francisco. Um, I think San Francisco, right? Yeah, or Bay Area. Sounds right. Um, The Game Developer Conference is supposed to take place March 16th to March 20th at the Mascone Center in San Francisco, but uh, due to public health risks over the coronavirus, which is, I guess... A mutation of SARS, interesting. Um, oh yeah, I did not know that. SARS,
2: SARS is a coronavirus.
0: I did not know it's that.
2: It's actually the new name for the coronavirus is COVID nineteen. They finally named it.
0: Yeah, that's what I um. And see the virus SARS CoV two, which causes COVID nineteen. Yeah, um, yeah. So the coronavirus, despite like. My understanding, just being like the flu or less lethal than the flu, is causing all kinds of havoc in it's because, international commerce.
2: Yeah, and I, I think the the issue is because, uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, coronavirus in all actuality is less lethal than the flu, the common flu, um, but I think it's because people don't care as as much about the flu is cuz a lot of people get vaccinated for it. They get the flu shots. Um, well, so I there's mean... a, there's defenses you can take against that. There's not a whole lot of defenses you can take against the coronavirus. Um they're also con- so they also don't know a whole lot about it. So the two concerns are uh it being able to be spread uh, airborne and how long it can stay like in the air. Uh, like if you cough You know, how long until that cough cloud or the particles there is not going to be contagious. And then uh, the other concern is um, when you do get infected with the coronavirus, uh, they're estimating about like a two week period where you are contagious, uh, but you don't show any symptoms. So people walking around thinking they're fine and traveling and doing whatever, uh, you know, they, they could have it and they could be spreading it the entire time. So it's, that's the scary part. I think a lot of it is that we just don't know a whole lot about it. Yeah. We know a lot about it, but we don't, we just don't know some of the, the major causes, so. It's uh, getting blown out of proportion, for yeah, sure.
0: Yeah, like, though. I mean, it, it's always the thing, right? Like, with the original SARS, everyone was like, oh my god, SARS, and if anyone was suspected of having SARS, like, in a hospital, they had to, like, quarantine everyone and all that, and it, it turned out to be a big nothing burger. Like, I'm not dismissing, like, a couple thousand people have actually died of this. And that's, you know, sad. But of the, like, 200-something thousand cases, yeah. it's a very low mortality rate. And Well,
2: the thing is that the people who are dying are old people and babies. And, like, it's people who don't have an immune system or don't have the immune system built up. So they can die very easily because it causes... Um, uh, I believe pneumonia and respiratory issues uh, so that's what's what's really killing people um, and I mean you have a huge population in China of of elderly and when you have places like Wuhan which is like the size of New York City that gets shut down or that had you know just been going day-to-day business as usual uh, while there was like people who are infected infecting others with this coronavirus uh it gets pretty scary so like it spread like wildfire over there that's yeah that is a scary part but i think they did a good job in in containing it and the very few cases that they got outside of china they're nothing issues because i think the people were healthy enough to uh fight it because they're traveling so it's like they're healthy enough to travel
0: yeah none of the people on the on that cruise ship, those poor people on that cl- cruise ship that were quarantined for forever, yeah. Uh, none of them, I believe, died.
2: Yeah, no, I think there's only been uh, a handful, maybe even less than that, uh, of cases in the U.S., and those were people who were caught almost immediately after landing in California. Um, so they, you know, had very a very limited time of exposure to, uh, contaminating other people. So I, I do think we're fine. Oh yeah. Like, yeah,
0: you're not going to die. The coronavirus isn't going to like wipe out
2: Earth's yeah. population. <laughs> it is. The interesting thing is how much, how much this is affecting like economics. And like, I know this, that's, what we're talking that's about the now crazy is the thing industry, is that so we rely so heavily on China and a lot of things, um, you know, I went to a supplier because I travel around and they're asking if you you're not even allowed in the building if you've been to like mainland China. It's yeah, it's been the timing
0: of it has been pretty poor because in addition to the coronavirus, uh, like the big spread of the coronavirus was like right around the same time as the Lunar New Year. Yes, and yeah. like just China has been shut down, like a lot of the production has been shut down for weeks
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because everybody was going to go on vacation. Yeah, and they were going to go travel. And I think I think they caught it like before a lot of people left, but uh, still, you know, people going early vacation still can have it. You know, it's, it's all it's all of this stuff. A lot yeah. of variables to this, but I think for the most part we're doing a pretty good job at, at containing it. I and don't the worry, WHO don't. has put out um, you know considered a global emergency, so. They have the funding to, because everybody gets freaked out when they're like, "Oh my God, the world World Health Organization." The WHO
0: is run by some of the biggest hypochondriacs in the
2: world. <laughs> well, well, so when when they call it a global emergency, that's that's allowing them to get more funding and to open up communication a lot better. Uh, so they did it for that reason. I don't think they meant it to be like, okay, this is. Really, really bad. So, we have to make an emergency. It's an a issue that needs to be taken care of as soon as possible. Uh, so, by considering an emergency, uh, they allowed access to sharing information between different countries and uh, sharing research and uh, directing funds differently so they could uh, allocate resources better. So, it, I, think, I think they did the right move in calling it an emergency. It's just, I think it freaked out a lot of people who didn't know what that meant
0: right so. um but we're
2: we're doing good we're not gonna die uh, no. unless it's a zombie apocalypse
0: don't don't lose any sleep over the coronavirus uh, um
2: drink a corona instead
0: yeah alcohol apparently alcohol actually
2: <laughs> alcohol and heat
0: so, so i can't be fine. infected with the control coronavirus because my apartment is always fucking hot as balls and uh I drink heavily.
1: Um. <laughs> hot toddies are the cure for the coronavirus. The hot what? I need to... hot toddies. What's a hot toddy? It's, uh, it's a hot it's toddler a that you
0: scoped out what? at the no. fucking local no, 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 no. toddlers
2: and tiaras No, it's, a,
1: it's an actual <laughs> delicious drink for for cold. What?
2: <laughs> oh, oh, oh yeah, give me some hot toddies.
0: <laughs> I gotta ima- like those have gotta be stings, right? Like all these child beauty pa- pageants, they oh, gotta yeah, be pedophile 100%. stings. Like I know that's they weren't always sunny, right? That's I gotta imagine that's how it all is. At all.
2: <laughs> I know from experience. <laughs>
0: You got to sing a song about how we don't Jeez. diddle kids. Frank, the fastest way to get people to think we diddle kids is to sing a song about how we don't diddle kids.
2: <laughs> I show up to those toddlers and tiara events being like, hey, where my hot toddies at? Ooh, girl, you look like you're four. <laughs> Too old for me.
1: <laughs> and here I was going to talk about a delicious mixed drink.
2: What? What's in the mixed drink?
1: So it's a hot toddy. So it's you take a shot of bourbon. Yeah. Couple, maybe however much bourbon you want and uh, you top it off with uh, steaming water oh. and you put in some simple syrup and maybe you put a little cinnamon on it and maybe a little nutmeg, garnish it with a lemon and you have it sitting by the fire on like an evening Interesting.
0: It's very effective for getting the hot toddies to take their clothes
2: off <laughs> <laughs> Hey hot toddy, want a hot toddy?
0: Oh my god This is, that's the worst joke I've ever made right there.
1: (laughs) I'm very glad that I did not take
2: part in that. Oh, but but you're, you're
0: complicit.
2: (laughs) You want to see my talent? (laughs) I can make my wee wee disappear. Oh. <laughs> Why do those mothers put their daughters through those things?
0: I don't know. It's terrible. It's terrible. Pedophilia is terrible. Um <laughs> as the software. Saturn
2: sons do not condone pedophilia in any way. I feel like we
0: were reaching the point where we need to put that disclaimer in. <laughs> <laughs> um last week we reported how Activision Blizzard has removed a lot of their games from NVIDIA's GeForce Now streaming service, which apparently actually works pretty well. Much better than Stadia from what I have seen. Uh, Of course you need a little stronger hardware to run it than Stadia but maybe that's part of the reason why it runs better than Stadia. Um, But now Bethesda is uh, following suit due to what NVIDIA is calling misunderstandings Of the terms of the agreements that they've worked out with these companies Um, every game that Bethesda has on GeForce now has been pulled except for Wolfenstein Youngblood for some reason which is still accessible so this is another major blow to the GeForce now streaming service and streaming gaming just in general with how much stadia struggling and uh, you know GeForce now getting fucking raked over a barrel here um, or racked mm-hmm. over the coals. I think bent over the barrel is the uh...
2: bent him over the barrel. is from the fifty states. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. All right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah.
2: You know that joke? You know that um, from what is it called? Horrible bosses.
0: The first or the second no, one?
2: But... Uh first one, I believe.
0: I don't remember that line in that movie, but the, like I, I haven't seen gonna... it since it came out.
2: They're like I'm gonna bend him over the barrel, show of the fifty they So like, what? They're like that's not, that's not a saying. It's like yeah, sure it is. It's like where's where's it from? He's like it's from that one movie. He's like no, it's not. <laughs> it is now.
0: My uh yeah my only real I have a few lasting memories of that movie. I didn't hate it, but uh, one of my major memories that Jason Sudeikis' character was also named Kurt. Oh okay. And that's, uh, that's about how much I remember from that movie Alright so um, I don't really have anything else For gaming news It was a pretty slow news week And uh, mm-hmm. Somehow Miraculously Probably due to our discussion of hot toddies We're right on schedule Hot toddies
2: and the coronavirus Hot
0: toddies and the coronavirus <laughs>
2: That's a band name if I ever heard one before
0: Maybe an album
1: no, it's Coronavirus and the Hot Totties. Come on. You need a headliner and a backup group. <laughs> what if uh,
0: Coronavirus is like the stage name of the lead singer and the Hot Totties are his band?
1: That's what I'm saying, yeah. And Coronavirus is actually just Corona. Yeah. Gotcha. This is the rhythm of the night.
0: And um, <laughs> I can't even come up with a transition from this to strategy games. <laughs>
2: No.
0: It's tough. It's a tough one. It's toughy. Um, it's a toddy. Yeah, it's it's a it's a tough toddy. It's a buff baby <laughs> that can dance like a man. <laughs>
1: um, little little, girl, little, li-
0: little little boys. Little um, boys. Little little strats. Talking a little strats here. Um, there we 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 cobbled something
1: together. Sturtz. Uh Yeah, I just when I was thinking about stuff because we have been we were playing a lot of strategy games on stream. I've been playing strategy games on my own. I've been like, I've had a weird binge of like a lot of those '90s. Like uh, everyone's trying to jump on that TCG collectible uh, game hype train. You know, things like Bakugan.
0: Bakugan. What?
1: That's the. It's ba- bakugan, bakugan, but it's Bakugan. But if it bakugan. was actually like a, a pastry, you collect pastries. It's Bakugan.
0: Bakugan. I've, oh my god! I've been cooking my dinner.
1: <laughs> I love I, I love a good kuchen, uh, I don't know how to spell it. B a
2: k u uh, g n.
1: No, here it is. Here it is. Kuchen. It is a it's a it's a German fr- uh, powdered sugar sponge cake type Ooh. deal. It's fucking delicious. Uh, here's a picture of it. That link is way too long. <laughs> um,
2: My mouth is moist. Yeah, go give it to uh, Bitly.
1: Uh, there he goes. Just look it up. It's a C uh u c h e n k u c h e n there
0: you go it's cooking Kuchen. hmm, that does look good um it does yeah work. so we're going to yeah. talk today about a few few different elements of what we think makes a successful strategy game versus a strategy game that isn't so successful or just like things we like and dislike what how to make an ideal strategy game i think um yeah and I think one of the things that's a hallmark to a good strategy game is um, many different viable strategies mm-hmm. uh, that play differently from yes. each other and are equally viable. And I have an, a good example of this is, uh, well, I have to bring up Slay the Spire because I'm contractually obligated. Um, of course. The silent, the character the silent in Slay the Spire has two very different sort of well they they can overlap but like two of its main strategies are either a, a build based around the uh Shiv card which is a zero cost card that does i believe 3 damage by default but there are ways to boost its damage through a card called accuracy which raises its damage a little bit um and sure. accuracy does stack so there's shivs there's there's a couple cards that make shivs one uh Blade Dance makes uh, two shivs, or Upgrade makes three. And then there's a card called Cloak and Dagger, which uh, grants blocks and gives a shiv. And then the other strategy is Poison. And both are pretty viable to make it through the run, maybe not not to the end. Uh, Slay the Spire is an interesting uh, beast because each of the final bosses counters a separate kind of strategy. And you don't know which one you're going to face until you face it. So you can have like the best build for a certain strategy, but you just run into your counter pick. Hmm. Um, But contrast that to a character like the Ironclad, who, at least to my experience, really only has one viable strategy. And that's the defensive body slam build because if you buff your strength too much, you take too much damage, and then there's this self-damage build that just, you know, there's not enough health recovery to make that viable. Um, And for the king, has an issue I've noticed, and I've been playing around with a little bit of it in my own time to confirm my suspicion, where dealing damage to your opponent is infinitely better than any sort of support shenanigans you can do. Which I yeah. think is a flaw in its game design.
2: I agree, because it like it. There are a lot of good support items, but it just their support system is, is a little bit lacking in that. Like things wear off too fast, and sometimes they just don't work. And it's like chance to fizzle. Yeah, it's like a really easy chance to fizzle. Like especially if you get shocked, then you uh, miss that first one, and if you're out of focus, you're screwed over. So it, yeah, yeah there there are a lot of, a lot of minor flaws that I think a little bit of tweaking could fix.
0: Yeah, I think the biggest flaw with support in the game isn't really the system, like the system, like what you touched upon with the system and its frustrations with that is is true. Like when I whenever I would fail a taunt. I mean, that's just so bad, because not only did I waste my turn, but, like, the linchpin of the strategy where, you know, drawing damage away from you now is gone, and the taunt only lasts one turn. So, like, I can't taunt and attack. I have to either taunt keep taunting or, or change to attack. But the biggest issue with support stuff that I noticed in that game isn't related to the support mechanics at all. It's related to turn order, and how that's determined. Like, the characters with the highest speed have greater priority in turn order, and enemies Mm -hmm. just have ridiculous speed. Like, so few characters outspeed enemies unless you ambush. they always
2: go, and then then as soon as you face, like, a mage, they debuff you, and then they debuff you, and some of them can be crippling to, like, where they confuse you.
1: And they can just wombo you forever. (laughs) Yeah. Now, that's an interesting point and that kind of plays into something I was thinking about uh, a weird uh, I guess pitfall I would say of um of a lot of strategy games that I think can be hard to overcome unless you're very careful with your design uh, I can't talk about any strategy games without talking about the high boys, the uh, the granddaddies chess and chess and go, you know, the ones that are just like you know they're At its most distilled, its most pure. Um, Of course. But, you know, one thing that those games don't have and one thing that, you know, strategy games, you kind of notice that a lot of them don't have, a lot of good ones don't have, is um, defensive, like very defensive fortification type of mechanics. There's not, you know... When you're playing like Fire Emblem, there's not really a character that can wall up. You know, there's not a lot of that because I think that when you're building a strategy game, the defensive build, you need to build it as like a denial type of strategy. You need to, especially if it's not just a card game, because there's two, there's like two families of strategy games I see majorly. It's space-based, you know, where you're, you have your pieces interacting in a physical space that, you know, You space is an important aspect of the strategy, and you have, like, card games where there's no physical space. It's just the card versus card. It's just right there. Right. The
2: contents of your deck and how you build and, it is, is what matters.
1: Right, it's all about the interaction. So
0: um, I want to ask you a question, yeah. I mean, with card games. Maybe what you say, what you just said is, is maybe you had that more in mind with these spatial uh, sort of strategy games. Um, But, and I I guess I can give an example of that. So how would you feel about a, how do you feel about the strategy of say turbo fog versus like a control counter build in a game like magic or say walls, physical walls in a game like Age of Empires?
1: Right, I think I I think there's a lot of overlap there. I guess I'm not saying that one is, um, it's restricted to it because I was I was thinking about magic myself. Turbo fog is essentially a denial strategy, because if you can compare it, turbo fog versus wall tribal, right? Right. And magic is it's interesting. It doesn't have a physical space to play in, but it has. The same effect because of the way combat works in that you can, you know, quote unquote, flank your enemy by swinging in with a wide board. Right. You know, you have the ability to go around in a sense. Um, And in that way, you know, denial again, denying them the ability to build their offense is better strategy than surrounding yourself and hoping that you'll be protected, you know. That's the same thing that pillow fort, people think a pillow fort is. I'm setting myself in my pillow fort and, you know, it's like putting a force field around yourself. But no, like pillow fort is definitely keeping your opponents from starting to attack you and denying them combat. Right. And I think that's the same thing. Like that's it's just even more magnified in strategy games. Or in, in sorry in a uh, grid-based games where your opponent can just literally you have you have that big high defense creature that you just place you plonk down right in the center of your kingdom, your opponent can just fucking run around that shit. Right. It's it's
0: easy. But like say now I don't you can't really do this in a game like Civ, but in a game like Age of Empires and I've never played StarCraft so I don't know if there's anything similar in. StarCraft, you can build physical walls with, like, defense turrets around your settlements. You know, is this c- a compatible notion? Would you say Age of Empires is is not as good a strategy game because it has this walling path you can take?
1: That is an interesting... That's interesting. Um, I... You know, it is a defensive option. I, I think those kind of things play more into the idea of maybe traps and traps are a very, that's one of the big advantages of strategy games is, you know, having is uh, using that aspect of hidden information. Yeah. Even if turrets are open information, right? It's something you can place that uh, punishes your opponent. doesn't just stop them. Um, I, I, I like myself some good laying traps. It's always a great feeling when uh, when your opponent stumbles into that shit. Yeah. Uh, that's that's most of what I have to say about that. I think I don't think it makes it a bad strategy game. I think as long as, you know, it's very clear that it doesn't.
0: So would you... S-
1: if, if the player isn't rewarded, like, incredibly for just building up a bunch of turrets... All right.
0: So I guess that know, leads into my uh, natural follow-up question with that is would you say it was bad if that was the dominant strategy in the game
1: i think so i think that becomes fucking turtling and what happens is i think for for a lot of the games i've seen what that would come out as what that would be expressed as is you turtle up your defense before you build your battle cruiser but your battle cruiser is never going to fucking get through because your opponent's going to do the same thing and you're not going to have that's, that's an interesting uh, part of strategy games is that you're constantly doing, being active, Yeah, you know, and making a lot of decisions. And you can see that on a spectrum because like even there's turn-based ones with turn-based strategy games, your atten- you use your mental energy in deciding one action for, like, a crap ton of units, ideally, yeah. right, where you're commanding your army over one turn. But then there's, like, real-time strategy or moving all the way into, I, I would say League of Legends and MOBAs are on the, the edge of this. They're on, like, you know, they're on the border between this and, like, a different genre of game. Right. But I still think those fall into strategy games. Right, Jake. Do you think? Do you think like mobas? Would you would you call them like in strategy, or do you think oh, you call them something? Oh
2: different? yeah, I, I, mobas definitely strategy games. There's there's strategy um, in like uh, like it's it more falls obviously the spatial uh, area, but it's it goes more into like objective uh, searching. Uh, objective getting your objectives uh for example league of legends my experiences with league um there are dragon buffs that you can get and baron buffs and there are different towers that give your entire team gold uh so getting objectives i've noticed is better than getting kills uh and that's one thing you see at like the professional level and that's how i really kind of uh Learn about this different strategy of the games. Uh, is that for casual gamers they are like, "Oh, I'm just gonna go out there and get kills and whatnot." But as soon as you start watching professional people play, they they go for the objectives more. They have the timing on the objectives down pat. They're like, "Okay, dragon spawning in 30 seconds. We need to gather the team and get down there and uh, claim the dragon before before they do." Mm-hmm. Um, that so that's comp- that's
1: actually a really good point. Could, you
2: compare that yeah. against. Casual players and casual players are just like, I'm just going to stay top lane and, and kill my guy a bunch of times and, and never group up with the team. But then you see the pr- pros go at it, and that top laner, he doesn't care. He's just getting his farm and his creep score up, and he's getting gold. And whenever the team needs to group up, he's down there always with them, ready to provide support and, uh, and claim the objectives first because they know that claiming those objectives is going to make the entire team stronger instead of okay well this guy's just going to go sit up top lane and get kills and make himself stronger. I think that's that kind of uh
0: the distinction between casual and pro play and and how it relates to strategic elements um brings up at least in my mind a question of is it a strategy game or is there a large strategic component to the metagame because particularly in a team fighting game like a marvel versus capcom or a dragon ball fighters there is a lot of strategy in team building you know picking the characters and their assists to best complement your strategy of how you're going to try to win the game or counter your opponent's strategy whereas a fighting game itself i think it would be a stretch to call it a strategy game but as you advance your level of play and expand your knowledge of metagaming, I think that it becomes more and more strategic.
1: Mm-hmm. I I think as like as you said, as it gets more I think the defining line is your the pilot's ability to physically execute the um the action or the combat, the the conflict uh, I think that's the, the gradient that you can really judge these things on. Like, um, I, I guess we call it dexterity. Like, you know, in Magic, there's a there's a principal rule against sort of dexterity cards and things that use your actual physical abilities other than your ability to plan and evaluate decisions. So
0: MOBAs, um, correct and, me if I'm wrong, Jake.
1: Right. They're, they ride yeah. that line. Mm-hmm. where you're like yes you can you can make your build however but if you can't fucking actually click the guy and you don't have good reactions to you know whatever uh I don't know Jake you can probably speak to more specifics on this yeah, but there's... like dodging your enemy's attacks being a good oh yeah like being a good jungler knowing when to hit your uh ults oh, there's or, there's tons or, of like timing
2: things um, where you got you got to see if if the timing of when to jump into a group fight is the right timing um you know, uh, yeah, dodging skill shots, uh, uh, almost kind of seeing how they're moving. And if they're moving in an aggressive pattern, if they're coming up and attacking you with an auto attack every now and then, and, and constantly putting pressure on you, you know, they're being aggressive. So you can kind of, uh, Mm -hmm. predict, um, a a jump in and, and all in and trying to fight and get the kill. So you can, if the noticing the patterns in their in their style uh, is kind of like a mind game, you can also bait out different things. Like if you can make it look like you're going for an all in, and see if you can bait out like an ability. Like if they preemptively activate a shield, then that shield goes on cooldown, so you know you can go in and fight, and they won't have that uh, ability to to go to. Um, so yeah, there is a there is a huge dexterity reaction thing. There's timing thing as well because uh, Hmm. a a big part of the early game for League of Legends is uh, farming creep and that's how you get a lot of your gold in the early game Uh, so you want to get the last hit on the minion to get that gold to claim that gold and then uh, you have your minions attacking them so you want to get the last hit and claim the kill instead of your minions
1: yeah I don't think the timing timing buffs and timing moves cooldowns I don't think I would not consider those uh, necessarily part of the strategy no, elements. No, I wouldn't. But either. they are important to the game, and this is kind of where you go into real time strategy games, mm-hmm. where yeah. I think there's a difference between something like um, StarCraft and XCOM, right? Because StarCraft, there is like you can physically put your own skill level up. You know, was it clicks yeah, per clicks minute, per
0: second, or whatever?
1: clicks per second yeah actions where per they, minute the, i the think is the top players metric. can get hundreds that's the one where top players can get upwards of like 600 actions per or minute something yeah
2: nuts like you that. know
1: and that's something that you have to learn how to you know, move your fingers in that way and do that stuff but uh so that's a real time strategy game and xcom is also i think a, re- a lot of them were real time strategy where they they did have like an actual timer on them where it created time pressure for you to make your decisions but so there's a floor but maybe uh no there's a ceiling right there's a floor and a ceiling as opposed to something like starcraft where there's no ceiling on how fast you can go um and those those create different different gameplay experiences entirely yeah
0: um another we we kind of alluded to it in in some tangential ways and Uh, The last point, but another element I think of a good strategy game is uh, removing the or minimizing the impact of luck and variance in general, I think makes Mm -hmm. for a better strategy game. I don't want to have the feeling Mm -hmm. that I lost because, you know, the dice didn't go my way or something like that. Or if that does happen, I want it to be a rare occurrence. I want to feel like my skill and my strategic thinking leads me to victory or defeat more than any other element.
1: Mm-hmm. At the at the same time, on the other end, I don't... Uh, for most cases, for a video game that I, I like playing, um, I don't want it to be a no-variance affair because you know when you when you get down to no variance it it becomes chess or go where there is literally no variance other than what your opponent is thinking and that's a those that's a great way to make a strategy game for sure um but for for maybe a strategy video game like i want to that i want to play um i'm not super down with that cuz then it's like it be for for me that becomes a a matter of memorization rote learning um and prediction it becomes um it also becomes a a psycho- psychological mind game which is which is another great uh type of type of strategy guess type of play well, I
0: guess what um, i'm thinking of is right
1: yeah, i don't like getting uh n- like it's brick something, hands. Well, getting a good example a game, I mean, you know, of sucks. what
0: i'm i'm trying to get at is something like poke competitive pokemon battling versus for the king. In competitive Pokemon battling, there is variance. There's critical hits, there's, you know, there's a range of damage that can happen. But like your strategy and team building and your strategy and like baiting things out in the game more often than a crit or a low damage roll is going to be the determining factor on who wins the game versus something like for the king where every action has a high degree of variance.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: I'm not not trying to knock I, for the king. I'm just saying, as a strategy game, that there it has elements that I don't think make a great strategy game. Right. Like that's too much variance, I, in my opinion.
1: I wonder if, yeah, I think for the king might be shoot trying to shoot for the role playing game, uh, aspect very hard. Yeah,
2: it's definitely a D and D sort of. If, experience it is it is it is a D sort of thing but it's like i don't know it, where it kind of changes is there's and there are buffs but i don't know um so in D, you have stats that are based off your you, you have different uh i guess like your survival skill you have different skills that are based off your stats mm-hmm. so your survival might be based off your uh constitution uh, i think constitution or yeah. You know, things that are based off those and then those uh add modifiers to whatever you roll so you may roll shitty you know and roll a 10 but okay well your your survival or your athletics is plus six so it's really a 16 and that's more than enough to to make you pass um, so you have like a fi- you basically have like a fifty percent chance to yeah. to do whatever you're gonna do. So unless you po- roll really poorly, then it. So I think I think uh, uh, like if we're if we're doing for the king, if we compare it to like for the king, uh, it doesn't have that element of like. Well, it has an element where I think it's just really high. You, you do you have, have modifiers. stats. That's like the your thing. stats. You can go up to
0: ninety five percent. So that a stat, a role in that stat has a ninety-five percent chance of being successful, but yeah. it's different. A ninety-five chance of being per, uh, percent chance of being successful is different than having a threshold you have to reach with a modifier added onto it.
2: Yeah,
0: I don't have like a uh, fucking like Excel Monte Carlo simulation analysis of I which know, is better. Yeah, that,
2: that's <laughs> exactly. That's that's the thing. Is like it. We're getting to like probability and percentages of like all right, what, what's the difference between having that threshold, having that DC that you have to reach, uh compared to just a flat percentage of like, okay, well, eighty percent you're gonna roll uh you roll well. Um and you have to do that three times in a row uh for this ability to trigger, which I think was was a big part of what I didn't like about it was that you had to I... like hit a perfect ability to be able to do the thing that it's going for instead of just either so like bring, bring it around to like your taunt ability. Like yeah. I think a better way to do that would be like okay if you do a perfect, you know, two perfect rolls in a row, you're gonna taunt for two rounds or something like that or or twice as long. But if you roll just one good one, you'll taunt for half the time. Right. That way your strategy still works. It just it makes you have to redo it again, or you can't do a different thing that you wanted to do next round. Uh, but your taunt is still up.
0: And I guess like there's an argument I, to be made that like that part of the strategy comes in equipment selection and reducing the number of rolls you have to make for your ability yeah. to trigger. Uh, but I still think it's it's too high a variance for my liking. I mean, For the Kings a fun game. Like mm-hmm. I will continue to play it. I will continue yeah. to play with these guys. We'll try the other campaigns and stuff, but I, I, I wouldn't put it in the upper echelon of strategy games.
2: <laughs> no, I, I, I right. agree. You did,
1: uh, you did hit on something. I like, I like talking about the variance here. I think variance is good as a. You can use it if you use it well as a cost. Like there's a variance cost to things, and that plays into another element of i think that's another big element of strategy games is not just resource resource management because every game is about resource management even a first person shooter you know ammo space and time you have to manage all of that shit but um an emphasis on you know physical resource management and one of those resources is variance you know is it worth the variance to be able to execute a high power move and as you said, Jake, I think it's a a balancing thing. It's a cost. It, it's a what's the uh, what's the old phrase? Um, cost benefit yeah. ratio, right? Yeah. Uh, I think, like oh, you said, I think the key lies for something like for the king in tweaking those. Where taunt should not be. It's not a. It's a it's a good benefiting move, but it's a basic function it shouldn't be tied to a high variance. So like
0: attacks, if you don't roll a perfect attack, you just do less damage. But if if you don't mm -hmm. roll a perfect taunt, the taunt fails. Like, I think there needs to be... That's a big difference. If I were to redesign the game, or perhaps there are mods out there for it, I'd actually just Google that right now to see if there's maybe something that provides some of these fixes that we would like, where a perfect roll gets you X, Y, and Z. An imperfect roll might get you X, Y, or just X, depending upon what your Instead role of
2: is. Absolutely nothing. Yes, because the amount of times those are like, and we we see it from like monsters that do it, and monsters that do it seem to like always get those off. Um, like the amount of times a monster's rolled mm-hmm. like five perfects in a row to get like a group AOE whatever uh, confusion hear, or something like that is bonkers it's it just so like it, it just had it all the time like they have a higher percentage to get those roles, and meanwhile they're already basically immune to all these different things and, and we can't touch them yeah and they get to go first yeah the turn order too
0: makes that you know even worse because missing like having a turn an empty turn where you don't advance yeah. your strategy or, or do damage or advance yourself towards winning is so detrimental in that game because of how Turner works.
2: And I, I really think they should have kept it a little bit more like D&D, the way D&D does it, where they do it as initiative. Yeah. So at the beginning of a battle, you all roll to see who goes first uh, and in what order. Mm-hmm. And in that case, it'll be, you know, we all roll. Yeah, they
0: have an element of that with, like, ambushing, but that's tied to, that's a roll for one stat. And, mm-hmm. you know, like, there are other you have th- mechanics to that. You that have are-
2: three characters in the game, and you want to be able to coordinate better. So you, you almost have to leave ambushing up to one person. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, maybe maybe if we had assigned roles, uh, to, for specifically for everybody to do, like if I was always going to be the ambusher because that stat aligned to my role, so we could ambush more frequently. Yeah. Uh, maybe that'd be different. I, I don't know. It it's interesting.
1: Yeah, I so we've been talking a lot about for the king and how these sort of apply in that context. Um, I want to talk about another game that inspired me to prompt this editorial segment this week. Uh, Kurt knows which one I'm talking about, uh, which one I'm going to fucking bring up here. But I've been, (laughs) I've recently been playing dungeon dice monsters for the game boy advance. And I've been enjoying it heartily. Um, Now dungeon dice monsters, I think is, was it's pretty well designed, at least the game boy version. Yeah. Um, even for all it's like in principle, it could be the worst thing ever. There's so many pitfalls you can fall into because everything you do is dominated by dice rolls and you have like moving. Yeah. Uh, attacking, defending. Like if you don't roll well, your characters, you just sit there with an empty board and nothing happens.
0: Yeah. That's, but that's the, like, if, if, if chess and go on one end of the spectrum, Dungeon Dice Monsters is on the opposite end of the spectrum,
2: <laughs>
1: and and yet, the way they've been they were very clever about how they put it all together, and all these things we talked about, defensive strategies not being great variants, being uh, problematic, and you know, uh, player input not being a major factor. Like somehow Dungeon Dice Monsters issues <laughs> all of these because. So, Dungeon Dice Monsters appreciates the variance cost. Let's start with that. Because in Dungeon Dice Monsters, you have four levels of monster. And to summon those monsters, you roll your dice. And to to actually summon your monster, you have to roll a, the summon crest, or the summon face on your mm-hmm. dice. And you have to match... You roll three dice, and you have to match two of them to summon a monster. So, how they do this is, for level one monsters, right four faces of each of their die are summons. So you have a pretty high chance of, of summoning stuff. For level twos, it's three faces. For level threes it's two faces. And for level fours, which is like, you know, when you wanna play fucking Blue Eyes White Dragon, when you wanna play your Dark Magician, like your fucking bombs, your game enders, you have a one in six chance on each die of of hitting a summon crest. And you have to hit two. Um, so they variance cost is huge in that, but they balance that with you have to fill the other faces of the die with some shit. So what they do is uh, you fill them with your your movement crests, your def- your attack, your defense. So your level four die aren't just fucking use like why would you ever use them? They're useless garbage. No, they're when you need resources and you can use them as very efficient resource gatherers. Uh, so you're never the times you're punished for rolling random ass dice and trying to base your strategy entirely on what the fuck you roll. That's it's minimized. That kind of sounds like, like a um,
0: huge. I I just I don't know what clicked in my mind with this, but uh, that's kind of like Dicey Dungeons versus Slay the Spire, and that sort of role where Slay the Spire is right. more conventional. Like you've put your strategy together. You have a resource you have to work around, but it's a constant resource. It's energy. You, you know how much energy you're going to have because you have a default amount of energy and you know how much you've boosted your energy, et cetera, et cetera, versus Dicey Dungeons where the rolls are random and what you can do with them varies based on what you roll. However, there are ways to manipulate your rolls in such a fashion that you can minimize the impact of the variance.
1: Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Like you got to deal with what you got. Also, with the with area denial and, and using space, the way so as a feature, another feature of Dungeon Dice Monsters is to summon your monsters. You you're supposed to in quote unquote <laughs> unfold your dice so into the dungeon. Oh. So you make a, a piece of your dungeon as a six as a six square connected uh, shape, and um, the way that's played out for me, because I'm playing the stupid, you know, first level like, baby's first strategy mechanic of level one lockout, where you where you build toward their side of the field very quickly, and you just surround their area so they can't actually dimension any <laughs> dice, and they can't summon any shit. Um, sometimes they, they do get stuff off, but anyways, the way that plays out is um, because of the way the shapes interact, there's a lot of Pinch points on the field, which makes actually having a defensive creature really useful. I've, I've many times I've parked my fucking uh, ultimate cocoon in in front of a fucking like you know a choke point, and it has like forty defense, and his like his little petite dragon can't do okay. shit because it was gonna get his ass wrecked. <laughs> Meanwhile, I got a strike ninja that can move three spaces for one movement crest, running around on the flank to like stab him in the ass. So I've, I've, I've enjoyed, <laughs> I've enjoyed, and needless to say, I've enjoyed this game greatly. Um, and because your opponent has like the same variants you do, I'm never like, I don't know. I'm it's usually never salty. Very yeah. salty. The only times, well, the only times I've ever felt like, like oh god, this is not going my way, is either very early in the game when you need to summon like your first couple monsters uh and you just don't you don't get those level 1 summons or very late in the game where you're just trying to farm crests so you're using like a level 1 a level 2 and like a level 4 so you can't summon anything but you're getting like a bunch of different resources and then you roll all summons so it's like oh I can't summon anything but I that's that's a that's the only time I've ever crit failed hmm. uh playing dungeon dice monsters which is which is ridiculous to think about, considering how it's just pure RNG yeah. for for all your actions. Dungeon and Dice Monsters. I I think I that's know.
2: It's low key great game.
1: <laughs> low key great game. I get get you put it on your VBA. Turn off the the music. Get a feel for the controls and wait. What and just
2: play. Why it turn it a off the bit. music. Is it, is it
0: bad like J pop? It's, it's pretty
1: poopy. <laughs> Oof. No. Um, let me find, let me see if I can share with you. Uh, I'll find the track on the OST, um, dungeon dice monsters, OST, uh, dungeon dice monsters. The game boy game also is, um, YouTube is also a very good system because in the English version of the game, you just have, uh, 12 standard dice that you use. But in the Dungeon Dice Monsters Game Boy game, each monster has its own special dice that have different amounts of crests that you can roll on each face. Mm. Uh, let's see. Dungeon. So you can, like, really customize your... Uh, moves it's... uh... No, not near win. Uh, I don't think I can find the... Uh... the final boss music. But here, I'll show you the... Uh... So this is when your opponent's down to one heart. It's just... It's Um, pretty... uh, It's not high quality music. Mm. Anyway.
2: Uh, I'm going to have to play this. I'm going to put this on blast. I'm going to get crunked Uh, to it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Look for... So I guess the moral of the story is um, pay attention to your strategy games. Think about what really at the core they are you know yeah. and that's um, this is and this try. is our
0: sensibilities right so you know like i'm not out here trying to gatekeep and say if it if your strategy game is like this then it's not really a strategy game uh like you can like what you like and you can develop how you want to develop if you're a game developer but uh yeah. this is kind of like what i look for in a strategy game and you know the barks of of a good strategy game uh through my eyes, and or through Jake's eyes, or through Peter's eyes, for the points that they've made, you might be different, and that's fine. Your mileage can vary, and that's it's part of part of what makes this grand human experience uh, so captivating. But yeah,
2: I think I think the one thing you hit on in the beginning was different like builds and different ways to play a mm-hmm. certain yes. thing. And I think that is what I look for the most in my, in in really any game, but yeah, strategy games in particular. I think it's important. Um, Because that helps the replayability. I mean, playing the same thing over and over again can get dull, but if you can play five different ways the same game. And have
0: them be like viable, like a dominant strategy is bound to emerge, like no matter how careful you are with development something will always be a little bit better than some, everything else that's just how it yeah, works yeah. but like there's a difference between there being a dominant strategy and the game being solved
2: i think i think yes. the way we see that every single year is when the new standard rotation comes out for magic and you see what's really really winning in, uh, like, pro play and stuff like that.
0: Standard versus Uh, modern is a good example of this because the top deck in modern shifts because the metagame, like, there's enough time for the metagame to develop and people to, you know, find other strategies that can kind of, you know, work against the meta in a certain way versus standard where it's such a limited amount of time that if a dominant deck, like, comes out, you know, the format can, like... Feel solved because there's not enough time for it to develop.
2: Yeah, but but the, the, this current meta, as of uh, you know, February 2020, 2020, um it's it's really healthy. There's a lot of different meta decks that that work well. Now, yeah, we did find obviously there is going to be one that's dominating more than others. But I mean, I, I watched the the Mythic Championship and. The last game came down to the very last match, the the final came down to the very last match of the, the. Then there were two very different decks. So. What did the top
0: eight look like? Was it pretty diverse?
2: Uh, it was decently diverse. I mean, you had uh, Azorius uh, control that ended up winning, uh, but you had Fires of Invention that did really really well, and that's what uh, Azorius control won against and made it to the last match but you had them them going against uh all different kinds of uh, decks. I think Fires of Invention was a little bit more popular, but you, you had a few a couple things. You had like uh Mardu Knights, you had uh, uh red black uh sacrifice decks. I love. Um I think you had banned enchantments <laughs> be there as as some of the decks. One of Yeah, so you you had some some pretty interesting uh Yeah. Combos. All
0: right, I think this we had a nice little discussion here. Uh, went yeah. off on some benders, yeah. but I think we we stayed focused and got got our, got what we wanted to get across. Across.
2: Sometimes the boys just want to sit down next to a nice fire with a step <laughs> in a glass of whiskey or some a hot toddy, <laughs> and, uh, and and chat with. I you. like we can do this One now. Babies.
0: Like when for, when we first Peter and I used to do this a lot. Like every, I'd say at least 40% of episodes were editorials um, yeah. versus reviews. When we brought Jake on the show, you know, he needed to get his feet under him and reviews were easier for him to approach. But now that we have all at least two years of experience doing this, you know, it's a little easier to do these editorials. And it's nice to break up, you know, review, 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 review um, and talk about some other stuff. But that was episode 199 of the Studs podcast, available on all major podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, pretty much any app that you can listen to a podcast on, we are on. Um, Coming up next week is episode 200, our uh, leap day, probably one of like maybe two. (laughs) <laughs> leap day episodes that will ever <laughs> exist in the, the show, because not only does it have to uh, occur on a leap year, it has to fall on a Saturday, which is, you know, not likely.
2: Fucking Very difficult.
0: Um, like Poorly once close. every so we'll 28 years, I think that happens. So, oh
2: really? Um, that sounds
0: about right. If my math checks out. Uh, so we will be, uh, foregoing. Some segments, we are truncating them so we can have both our review, which we will be taking a look at the Mario Brothers movie. After having reviewed Sonic, which could be the greatest video game movie of all time, we will review what could be the worst video game movie of all time that also features characters that leap. Um,
2: Ha. Leap.
0: And... On the stream side, we will be doing uh, some sort of stopgap thing today, probably Excellent Adventures or some other uh, one-off games because to coincide with episode 200, which also on that episode we will feature like a look back at some stuff through Satin Studs history. To coincide with episode 200, we will be beginning our playthrough of Mass Effect 1.0. Which will, uh, I'm, I'm hoping to spend no more than six weeks on that game, which will require us to stream, uh, at least every Saturday and Sunday, and probably once or twice during each weekday, too. Uh, we're going to try to stick to doing main story progression on the weekends and like side quest grinding on weekdays. So that's, that's going to, how we approach it, uh, this will be a learning experience for other uh, bigger RPGs that we may do in the future. So uh, bear with us, because we're new at this too. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's all I have to announce. Check out our social media, at StudsSaturn on Twitter, Facebook.com backslash Saturn Studs. Uh, links to that uh, can be found on our website com as well as links to our uh, streams uh, we stream on mixer and twitch we also at least should stream on youtube but youtube's streaming as it's just it's fakakta now i don't know i don't even look at it anymore oh. like i don't know what the <laughs> hell is going on with it um but yeah twitch or mixer it's the same stream it's not like we do like one day twitch one day mixer uh just whatever <laughs> platform you're more invested in uh you can check us out on uh saturn studs on both platforms but again links at saturnstuds.com all right that's i think all we have to do for episode 199 until next time be well stay safe and party like it's 1995
2: peace Bye bye